Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. That's right, we're still rocking it here in 2019. This is January. And uh, yes, as always, we've got another new guest co-host for you. And I'm excited to bring this gentleman on because he and I tried connecting and then we couldn't connect, then we connected again, and now we're ready to rock out with you guys because this guy's coming from a different time zone. We're going to chat about that. I, I literally think it's an entire day ahead or behind, but he'll be able to help clarify that. Uh, but this gentleman knows a little bit about branding and marketing, so that's why he and I are going to have some fun because you know how much I love it. And uh, from a young age, he, he learned how to sell and negotiate business by getting haggled by Russian vendors. And his family moved here from Poland to the U.S. to escape communism. So that's a huge part of his backstory. And his parents took any job they could. I love the hustle to survive. And that's definitely taught him a lot. But seeing all of this as a young man motivated him to never want a job and keep moving forward as an entrepreneur, publisher, salesman, and one of the top Polish, get this, hip-hop artist people. So without further ado, I got to get this guy on. Tom Liebel, welcome to the show, sir. Mr. Hip Hop Artist from Poland. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. What is up with that? I mean, I, ha- I, I, you and I were chatting right before he recorded. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm not bringing it up until do the intro because I'll lose it. So, <laughs> is that a thing? thing. I, I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I, obviously, hip hop exists everywhere, but I mean, is that a is that huge in in Poland? It's almost like the national music. At, at least when I uh, when I was like in my teens you know so it, it was huge like when i first started listening to hip-hop no one knew what that was like there was a movie called disorderlies with the fat boys in it yeah oh my <laughs> god dude i haven't seen that movie in years that is awesome <laughs> that movie was ridiculous ladies and, and gentlemen we're first... probably we're probably dating ourselves a little bit but... we are dating ourselves i think i was like <laughs> six or seven but i seen that movie and i just didn't know what it hit me like it came on again and I watched it again because my uh, dad had it on a VHS. And I'm like, like, what is happening here? <laughs> and then we had this guy that was like in rock music. I was about eight or nine. And he made a hip hop song in Polish. Okay. And it's just like, it stopped me in my tracks. You know, like everyone just used it as like a novelty thing, right? Like, oh, he's right. talking instead of singing. But to me, it was like, no, there's, I was like, this is weird. This is good. I like this. Yeah, it's a flow to it, right? There was a flow, yeah, and I started getting um, a couple tapes from like Criss Cross and things, you know, and when I moved to the States, it was a whole different game. Like, that just opened up to me. I was like, oh, wow. Dude, whatever happened now to I Criss Cross? Can... I don't even know. I... They didn't they, they didn't age very well. No, uh, I'll tell no. You that. <laughs> I just realized well. that. You brought that name up. I'm like, wait a minute. Whatever happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't, I, yeah, I've seen them not too long ago. They did not age well, man. Like, I was like, oh, boy. But, you know, when I actually could understand it too because the u.s stuff you know i didn't speak english when i started listening to like the fat boys mm-hmm. um and i was like oh my god like it opened up like i i pretty you know like biggie and gangstar and all these guys actually said something and i was like this is insane and by me being out of poland too for a long time by then like five six years and not having any contact with those musicians like the influencers from the u.s and just me becoming an American mm-hmm. and living in an American environment, just when I started rapping in Polish again, like people are just like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you started like, doing that here in the U.S. Yeah, because yeah. I was in New York, which had a huge Polish population in Greenpoint. I think we had 
I don't know, between a half a million or 750,000 Polish people in the neighborhood. And then in Chicago, where I was before, they said close to 2 million. So it was a joke that like one out of three or four people in, in Chicago spoke Polish. So any government place anywhere you go to, one out of four or five, they speak Polish. So it was huge. It was a huge, uh, you know, scene. And a lot of them left back to the Union, you know, when the European Union opened sure. up. But I it became like safe my, again. Yeah, but my musical thing was like right before then. So we still had streets full of Polish people. And it's just, I don't know, it, it blew up way more than I thought. Like we had the uh, t- major TV station from Poland come to the U.S. to make a documentary about us. Get out of here. Yeah, Come on. it was, it was, uh, yeah, this is crazy. And it was, and it was one of the most watched shows in Poland for like six months. Like they kept on rerunning and rerunning it. <laughs> well, I mean, that, happen, just, that happens here in the States all the time, right? You got these certain shows that just don't die. They just keep going. I mean, if it's got the right amount of viral appeal, they, people just roll with it. Yeah, I guess, you know, there was something about like this guy with like this kind of like American accent a little bit when he's talking in Polish. I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, obviously I was rapping about different things, right? Because, you know, growing up around Chicago and in Brooklyn, like, you know, it, it's just a different feel, different vibe, right? Oh, it's and a when legit you're like, you know, uh, urban yeah. influence, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they were just confused, like really confused. And like, you know, but yeah, but it took off. I, I love that, man. Because I, I did work in the music industry in the US for a while too. I was a sound engineer. Yeah. Um, in my early 20s. Independent, and, obviously. Um, I was independent, but I've, I've worked at one of the bigger studios, which was Unique Recording, and I got to meet my heroes, man. Like, I, I met the Lost Boys and Raekwon and MOP and Alicia Keys and what? Jay-Z oh, and man. Gangstar, T.I. Like, I worked with all these people, right? Alicia Keys is so, legit, man. Her vocals are just ridiculous. She was actually one of the nicest people, too. Like, you know, I, I've had the displeasure of working with uh, Lauren Hill. And the pleasure of working with she, Alicia. She's, a, she's an angry woman. She's very, she very angry. Very angry woman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the Fuji's reunion. I, dude, and I love the Fuji's. I love the Fuji's. Well, the reunion didn't happen. And people are like, oh, you know, all these beefs were happening. Dude, it was just so petty. Like, she came to the studio once and the grapes were soft and she just touched them and walked out. What? Like, the whole, yeah, the whole day was paid by, a, you know, whatever, it's Sony or whoever. And yeah. she came and she's like, I don't like these grapes. I'm not going to be here today. And, you know, all the other guys like Wyclef and why, like, why live your life like that? I mean, I, I listen, I know you, you hear this all the time. I love you sharing this, right? Like money and fame, people say change people. And I say, actually, no, it just brings out maybe more of who you truly are at your heart. Money should it not does. change things. So it does because the filter comes like when you got the F you money, that's when the filter stops, right? Yep. And you've, you've probably thought about this. Like, you sure. know, like at, at, in the beginning, you have to like be correct about things because if you don't, oh, this person's not going to buy from me. These people will maybe, it's like Scott Adams, right? When he started talking about Trump, all his speaking gigs and everything disappeared, mm-hmm. right? But he's got F you money from Dilbert. He's like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I do whatever I want. But, you know, that's a different stage. That's when you can say those things. Like, yeah. you know, there, there's probably, 10 marketers, like, you know, very low thinking the same things, but they can't say anything that they feel because, you know, like, what if my community just says, no, I have no money and I go broke. Like, that's what happens. So, like, with Lauren Hill, yeah, of course, right? So much money, even though she did have some problems with taxes and stuff later on. But, you know, at that moment, so much cash, I don't care. Grapes are not good. I'm leaving. You know, that's that's fucking nonsense. It's ridiculous. You know, 
Uh, that happened with a buddy, I literally a colleague and I, we, uh, we had a, we had a chat this morning in a meeting and, uh, he's growing his IT company and we, that's somehow come up. He's just like, you know, listen, man, he's like, there's one thing I love about you. I'm like, why? He's like, and he, and I, he and I go mountain biking together and road cycling. We're you know, health and fitness friends. He used to be one of my clients years ago. And he's like, he's like, here's the thing about you, dude. He's like, you're confident. And if people don't know you, they don't know your loyalties and the fact that you'll, you'll go to bat for you know anybody that you respect and you trust. It's like, well, wow, dude, thank you. He's like, but the side yeah. effect of that is if people don't know you, you might come across a little arrogant because you're confident, you've done your research, you know what you're talking about, and it has that same concept of the FU factor, right? It's like, dude, I'm not going to blow bu- bullshit up your ass, and I know what I'm talking about. Whether you want to take that as arrogance or not, that's up to you. But I, I'm not here to stroke your ego. I'm going to tell you how it is. You either want that feedback or you don't. <laughs> but I wasn't that like that 10, 15 years ago. Kind of your point. It's like you got to, once you know a certain amount of information, you, get, you build a little bit of confidence. And, and yes, money helps with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had that same type of conversation with a couple of friends. But with me, they're like, okay, you know, people might take you a bit as an a-hole or as an opinionated guy. Like you just have these old opinions, right? But I'm like, no, it's just like you said, confidence, right? Yeah. Like if you've been through it and you've, you know, you kind of separated the nonsense from the truth, at least from your experience, like, you know, you can have opinions. And I think, you know, the problem now, and I've been thinking about this a lot too, because I really hate this, you know, be authentic movement. Oh God. Um, yeah. You know, but what that really means is just have a personality and have some backbone, you know, because so many people are just so soft and, and, you know, and they just don't have, well, dude, um, like, I love bringing age into this and not to separate things, but like, so I'm, I'm a class, I'm a classic Gen X, right? I was born in 77. Yeah. So I'm 41 right. now. What, where are you, where are you falling into the mix? Well, 81. So I'm okay. Yeah. You're not far off. So not a far, I love you're bringing this up because it's surprising me because I kind of hinted in the intro, ladies and gentlemen, as you're hearing this, like, you know, dude, you're hanging in Thailand. So yeah. are you seeing this cult- this new cultural thing, uh, we'll call it softness, you know, people afraid to talk and you know, or whatever it is, or what, what, what else are they calling it? The Me Too generation or what? I don't know, whatever they're calling it. Um, there's so many new things they're calling the generation these days. But are, are you seeing that blend over to where you are now too? So it's interesting, right? Like we have a melting pot of expats here. You know, I, I think at this point we have about two to 3,000 people just, you know, that work off their laptops or want to in my city, in my area, at least. At oh, least yeah. Two, I, I, I hear about that all the time. People love saying, dude, if you got the chance and you have the laptop freedom, go to Thailand. It's, <laughs> I yeah. hear this more and more. So, you know, I have a good group um, of people with a lot of backbone, probably 100, 150 people making good money. But I find that these wannabes, these ones, you know, are making 300 to a thousand dollars per month. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that softness, vegan, hippie, <laughs> and, you know, and goddesses walking around. Right. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, some of it, like they stay in their own circles too, but you know, you can clearly see them because the ties, they're not like that, man. They're very like the guy is the guy. The woman's the woman. Like, it's it's so strong. Like, you know, at the temples here, like, the women have to cover up. The guys don't, right? And some of the, you know, Western women come in like, what do you mean? We're equal. And, like, that doesn't fly in Thailand. Yeah, listen, it, people need to respect people's culture. 
right? Yeah, but you know, the thing with um, a lot of the Western people is that they try to push their own culture onto others a lot, a lot more than you know they would never want that in their own place, but they do push it on. I do find that very confusing because obviously, hey, I, I was born here in the U.S. I'm uh, fourth generation. You know, my my blood my bloodline stems back to Irish and German and. Um, you know, hard, hardworking people. I mean, if you look yeah. at, the, if you study the history of the U.S., I mean, the Irish built a lot of the railroads and did a lot of the mining. I live here in uh, an hour north of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, and and about two hours north of me, three hours north of me, it's a heavily uh, Irish and Scottish settled area from the years of mining that happened up north here. So it's interesting how cultural diversity has somewhat mature but not mature depending on the areas of the country you're in because we have such a vast country and you've been here and you, you've lived here and you know that like from chicago to new york and i yeah. don't understand I, I go to other countries i don't push my views because i'm in somebody else's country i'm here to yeah. learn why would i why would i want to tell them what i think i'm like dude i saved that for my country what are you doing <laughs> yeah it's interesting like the in my experience like the irish uh, it's got to be a cop <laughs> in New York, that's the whole thing, man. Yeah, like I actually, Irish, I actually, don't forget the firefighters. <laughs> that's true, but it's funny. Like I remember, like once I was uh, hanging out with someone, and you know, they're like, "Are you a cop, man?" And I'm like, "Do I look Irish to you?" And it, it, everything just blew up. Because <laughs> like, you know, in New York, it's like you know, that was the thing. Like you know, if you say you're Polish, like yeah, he's not a cop. But <laughs> that is interesting. That is interesting. I mean, it's funny because I joke around about the police and fire thing too, and it's. You know, I waited to my 30s, and then I, I actually became a firefighter for a couple of years just for an adventure. <laughs> it's in the blood, man. And I'm like, it's, what? it's funny we're talking about that now, and I'm like, yeah, how many Irish firefighters are out there? Uh, a few, just a few, especially in the cities. Um, I, I, did yeah. the, I did the wilderness thing out west, though. I wasn't a city guy, so I was hiking around the mountains with a beard. Uh, <laughs> But it's interesting but, how that falls in the falls into place. So yeah, but it's it's the same thing. Like like the Polish stereotype is you know construction workers. Like in in Chicago, <laughs> New York, like that's everyone. They're they're doing construction, you know. Mm. And I used to think it's such nonsense. But I had a family member, like an older uncle, come into the U.S. once, um, visit me, and the first thing he's like, "These houses are built like shit." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like seriously, dude? <laughs> like that's what? the first thing you're gonna say?" <laughs> Yeah, thanks for, thanks for supporting the stereotype. <laughs> I was like, that's horrible. But it was like the first thing coming out of his mouth. He's like, I would build this better. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Like, he, but here's yeah. the best part. Does he, does he have that background? Well, in a way, yeah. I think every Polish guy in Poland has built at Something. least a part of a house. <laughs> yeah, because it's, like, it's such a big – and you know, I got to tell you, though, like I went to, um, back to Poland like two years ago um, to visit after a while right mm -hmm. and i seen some of the houses that my family built dude they're like they're like forts i was just saying like, they, they're built like a brick shit house like that you can't take dude, them down <laughs> like, like one of my um family members they have a house the wall is like four feet thick everywhere <laughs> i'm like what are you waiting for a tank like what do you think is gonna well let's think about it i mean world war one world war two it's true it's I mean, true, but, uh, maybe you want to build a wall that could withstand a ballistic attack. I don't know. <laughs> well, he told me this house is going to be here in like 500 years. And I'm like, I get it. I get that thinking. But I was like, my God, compared to like the U.S. ones, hmm. you know, like I used to always wonder like back in when I was little, like Arnold would, you know, hit a wall and it would break. Like he would break his hand in Poland on the wall. <laughs> That'd be nothing. 
But I did kick a wall in the U.S. before, and yeah, it went straight through. <laughs> it's true. We do, you know, our walls are not meant for <laughs> staying around for a long time, right? We just <laughs> you well, can it, run it, through. You know, it is wall. funny. You go to Europe, and especially the older parts of the cities, they're really beautiful, well-built architecture. So it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's you, just different. Do you see some of that in Thailand at all? In Thailand, everything's built to last five years. Okay. Like this. I mean, unless you just, go into the old temples and stuff like that, those are beautiful and old stuff. Those are beautiful. Yeah. But like the houses, it's like the shortcuts you they, they you know, take here are unbelievable. Like, in, is, in the is there zoning requirements? Is there building codes? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't pass anything in the US. Like none of the, they just, they're just like, okay, we can do it this way. And you're just like, yeah, this is why like walls collapse after five years. So, so what I'm hearing is, you probably don't have any construction clients to try to improve the, the quality of their brand. Or maybe you do because because they look at their design and they're like, okay, we got to build a brand somewhere else because clearly pictures of our construction aren't going to help. I don't know. Oh, dude, like the, you know, the, the Thailand is so different and, you know, so with China too. Like that's why, you know, like a lot of the people in the U.S. don't understand like, you know, when, when there's like a pushback against these countries. But let me like tell you this in Thailand and people would not let this fly in the U.S., hmm. Um, as a foreigner, you cannot work here. You cannot work at certain jobs. They're only reserved to Thais. Oh. If you have a if you have a company, you have to employ nine Thai people for every foreigner just to make sure they get jobs. Wow. Um, you cannot own land. You can own land under a business, and and U.S. people only can have a treaty so they can own a business. But you lease the land. You can actually own it. Interesting. Um, when you go to national parks, foreigners pay five or six times what the Thais pay. Um, there, you know, there are a lot of small things which just would not fly. You know, I, well, like here's the it, thing, though. I'm actually not against any of that. I, like, I'm reading between the lines in that, and that they they want to respect, you know, their country. They want to respect the people who were born there and have helped build. Yeah, their country. yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's fine. You yeah. know, but but I'm saying like you know when when we talk about like equality of trade sometimes, right? Like in China, you know, I've had a lot of people run from China recently to move to Thailand because they're taking people's properties. Yes. They're killing their businesses. They're, oh, it's, a, um, it's a legit, it's still a communist country. I mean, yeah, yeah. China, yeah, but I'm China just saying, controls everything. Yeah. So it's, you know, like a lot of things out there, like you can't start a business in China. You can't even advertise to Chinese people because they won't even let Google or Facebook in. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's very different. Right. So. Sometimes when I hear like, you know, all oh, these poor Chinese, I'm like, you have no idea no. about these people. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny because one of my biggest clients is in the HVAC, like the heating and air conditioning industry. It's my biggest yeah. contract. And when I when I meet a manufacturer who says, oh, well, we have we have our own factory in China. And I'm like, yeah. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you don't. I'm like, you might, you might manage or control a building that does your manufacturing in China but in the end, China owns the land. They own the building. You're just leasing space. I mean, you don't technically they, – they love to stress this point of, oh, no, 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 it's our building and it's our procedures. I'm like, ah, in the end, it's still Chinese. So I don't know. That's up to you, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's And it's not you know to, to really go against it, even though I do yeah. like um, bringing them down to their knees a little bit because they've been – way too uh, aggressive with you know whatever they're doing but I've, I've actually heard of people you know having their whole lives in china business people western business people with families and they would leave on a vacation they came back and their visa was all of a sudden denied their businesses were taken over by locals like mm -hmm. they just take their shit you know 
So it's, you know, you kind of, you know, have to like really understand what's happening before, you know, now you're, you're not seeing the- that in, in Thai- Thailand at all. No, Thailand's a little different, but I'm just, but people have ran to Thailand from China recently. And, you know, the embassy here actually put a code red, like, don't go to China. You might not be able to come out. Wow. So it's, you know, some of these countries here are, are still, you know, not as friendly as, you know, because living in America, like nothing's happening. Like we have problems because we have no problems. Mm, good point. You know, like, like a lot of the time I'm like, like, you know, we, we would not be talking about this nonsense if there was an actual conflict going on. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we're so soft now, like nothing's happening. Everything's taken care of. Amazon delivers. <laughs> All foods delivers. Like you don't even need to leave the house anymore. I was joking around with, a, with a, a new author the other day on my podcast and she was like, I was like, oh, it's like your, your books on on Amazon. Right. And she's like, oh, yeah, because she sent me a Barnes and Noble link. And I was like, well, she didn't send me the Amazon link. So I had to ask. I was like, you know, you do know that nowadays here in the U.S., unless you're on Amazon, you don't exist. And she laughed. She's like, no, no, no. Trust me. I made sure that book was on Amazon, too, because you are right. Yeah. Amazon has become a superpower. So uh, from, it is man. from a marketing and, and branding platform. It's like if you want distribution, get it on there. Yeah, I've seen the jokes recently. You know, Jeff Bezos is about to go like uh, off the list in like a week because he got divorced and she's taking half. A lot of jokes about it. I'm not, not, I'm no fan of Jeff Bezos, so I laugh along with it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, as a business and marketing guy myself, uh, I I joke around with people because I'm like, you know, I personally don't step foot in a Walmart. I love where mm. that company came from. And its origins and how they they had a beautiful way they grew their brand. But then once they went hardcore corporate, I mean, if you're a, a startup and you're creating this amazing product and you decide you want to sell to Walmart, they will bring you to your knees and make sure that they make maximum profit and you make pennies on your dollar. And next thing you know, you're basically serving Walmart. And I see that possibly happening in the Amazon space. Oh, it's know. happening. What's that? It's happening. Yeah. The same thing. Amazon controls some businesses completely. Yeah. And, you know, I had this stance on Walmart just like you before. But a few years ago, I took a road trip from Chicago to Vegas. Okay. Right. And on the way, I stopped in places I would have never stopped otherwise because they were just on the way. Mm-hmm. And a few of these towns, I, you know, I stopped in. I'm like, so where can I get some food or shop? And, dude, the only store in the Walmart. entire town yep. was Super Walmart. Yep. It was it. Like, they really had nothing else. I'm like, well, what else is there? Like, no, that's it. So you see, I part forced. of that story I'm wondering is, did they have something before? Because part of the they Walmart did. story is, well, the small businesses all got pushed out because they couldn't survive next to something like a super Walmart. Um, they did, because, you know, I, I like to drive around a little bit when I'm in these towns. And, you know, one of them, I really remember, because I drove through the street, which used to be their old district, like the downtown area. Yeah, like their downtown Main Street. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all shut down and abandoned buildings, you know, and I'm like, wow. Well, you know? I, I'm starting to see some exciting shifts in that. I mean, I, where I live here, again, it's an hour north of Philly and about an hour and a half uh, just just west of New York City. So we're in a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And it's been happening in our area for years. There's been a lot of resurgence back to that downtown appeal and yeah. trying to bring the the small business love back to the community because there is a different connection there with a consumer. And there's a whole different level of marketing there, which is funny because when I was reading through your bio and your information, I love the fact that you also don't mind chatting about how uh, internet marketing <laughs> has uh, – 
positively and negatively influenced how people do business these days. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and I really like that resurgence too. I've seen it around my parents too, because they live an hour from Chicago and you know, their downtown area was dead, like completely dead. And I came back a year ago to go to the traffic and conversion summit. Oh, yeah. And I stopped in and I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff happening now, which I, I love that. You know, I really like it. Like, look, there is a space for Walmart still. Sure, um, sure. But I just choose not to, you know, go in there if I don't have to. Like, I just, you know, it's, it's the same feeling as you have. Like, you know, Amazon or Walmart, like those are my last resorts, you know, yeah. when I do a lot of things. Although I do like this new, um, oh God, what is Amazon calling it? Uh, it's something specifically for small businesses. They've launched it for about 20,000 small businesses. I haven't heard if they've really rolled it out mainstream completely yet, but it's to allow small local businesses to obviously put their storefront, so to speak, on Amazon, and you, you're looked at differently. It's not the traditional Amazon product search world. I, I forget what it's called. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've heard about this, but with, you know, because I've dealt with Amazon for a while with the Kindle books and some selling stuff. And I always feel like, what are they trying to steal from these people now? Yep. Because in, in the beginning, like with the Kindle business too, like, oh man, it was it was a great business. But then they started just going nuts, man. Like, oh, we're going to take your commission off. We're going to stop this. We're going to stop that. We're going to control this. We're going to do that. And I was like, man, like these guys, when they need you, you know, it's great. But when they don't, yeah, you, they you just get replaced in a heartbeat. Else. Well, yeah, and then, and then like, and then like Amazon started doing the whole Amazon Basics thing, where like I'm shopping for a tripod for a, a camera, and then there's an Amazon Choice or an Amazon Basics like branded one, and I'm like, what is that? I mean, what they do buy somebody else's product at pennies on the dollar, just slap their name on it? I don't, I don't understand what that is. Like, I, I got to. So, <laughs> so I have a lot of friends um, selling a lot on Amazon, like you know these million dollar revenue. Um, businesses and what Amazon does is when you go on when you go selling on Amazon is they use you as market research right sure so for example let's say you're selling um, jump ropes or, or something like that right mm -hmm. um, one day when they figure out you're a bestseller you're gonna wake up and there's gonna be a same type of jump rope even you where your buy button used to be with a basic slap on it so they just go to their Chinese manufacturer Vietnamese and, you know, just create the same product yeah. and sell it for less. And they'll it's sell ours. like 20 bucks cheaper and you think you're getting yeah. a deal. Yeah. So. so it's, it's anytime you're selling with them, like they are using you as market research. So the more successful you are, the more likely Amazon will cut under you and, and you know, and just make their own product. So they're dangerous. You know, that's why I always feel with these mom and pop businesses, like what are they trying to take? Like See, what do they what need? What do they want? And actually what I was thinking of, it's called the Amazon storefronts. It's called storefronts, mm. one word, and they've they've launched it for twenty thousand U.S. based small businesses, right? And it's interesting because like so they're obviously promoting it to say, hey, if you're a small business and you're trying to increase your revenues and your sales, well, now you're no longer restricted to surviving just in your local town, right? We can give you an online footprint. But it's like to your point, it's like okay, but what is being sacrificed now with all that data that you're now giving them? They're now can, they can now see inside the small business space and what, what's going to come out of that. So it's not even just the data. You remember the Toys R Us story, right? With yeah. Amazon. Yeah. That was yeah. crazy. Like Toys R Us is nothing now. Yeah. But you know, back then they just didn't feel like creating their own online marketplace and Amazon's like, we'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. No problem. Like we can just use ours. You know, we're such good guys. And then what? 
<laughs> yeah, and then what? Then look what happened. But, you know, I mean, just... that, that name has been around for decades. And now they're, I drive past the, the stores, like the one here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's, not, it's just sitting there empty, you know, closed down. Yeah, it's insane, right? Like, that was, like, my favorite store as a kid. Like, who didn't like Toys R Us? Like, yeah, definitely the departments were messed up. You know, it looked like a warehouse. But as a kid, <laughs> you're just like, look, this is like, you know, a Christmas store, you know, whatever. Like, this is, like, the best thing ever. But, you know, later I realized, like, yeah, they did mess up a lot of things. But, you know, going in a partnership with Amazon was their main mistake from what I've seen. That was the, the biggest blunder they had. But, you know, that's what happens. Well, you, know, you either do your own work or someone else will, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. If you get lazy, that actually, that's a, I think that's where we're going with this here is like, I think they just, they didn't want to innovate. And so they yeah. took the lazy route and didn't realize what they got <clears throat> themselves into. And then once they were in too deep, they couldn't dig out. But that's in any business, right? Like when you think about smaller businesses, like that's, that's what we deal with every month, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, cause like we all go through these ups and downs, right? Like one day you get like, you know, a ton of sales, then, you know, then you don't, but when you're on top, when you're riding high, it's like, yeah, you know, that's slack on the sales marketing on the prospecting, you know, we don't need to do that now. We're, yeah. we're doing well. And then you don't realize that like, you know, starting from scratch with prospecting, you're like six months behind. And I have some friends that, you know, went through that recently. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what happens. Because now they're whining, you know, like, oh, I'm not getting sales and prospecting so hard. I was like, when did you stop? You know, like six <laughs> months ago. I was like, well. Well, and actually just for fun, because I haven't done it yet this episode, um, I love doing screen sharing during the show. That's why I do video for the YouTube people. So again, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check them out at smartbrandmarketing.com. But I love your tagline here. So is that why you're, uh, you're all about no BS marketing? Do you call your friends on their shit and... Like, I, dude, I do, like you got lazy, like, bro. It, 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 it's not even just friends. Like, like, so I'm in the marketing online courses space now, like heavy. Like, I, we're really growing in that. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes see someone from like the Philippines or somewhere and be like, you know, just uh, we'll charge you $500 and we'll get you traffic on Facebook. And I just call them on that bullshit. I'm like, look, you don't realize it. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, not only are you going to lose 500 bucks with this guy, you're going to lose another 500 of the money he spends and gets you nothing. Like you're going to be out a thousand. Like I call them out because they'll say like, you know, I can 10 X your business. And I'm like, show me those numbers. Cause I've been in it. Like I know how it works. So I, I don't do it a lot because I'm busy, but I do call people on their BS a lot. I'm like, dude, like, you know, come on. Like there's a lot of people that are still gullible. Haven't been around the block. Like they might actually take you on this offer and lose a couple thousand dollars. Especially like, small businesses. Been through it. Small businesses yeah. get that. De- they get desperate. Yeah, like I recently I seen an SEO business because I've done it for so long. Like someone coming up with a blog network. I was like, oh, this seems like something that failed five years ago and ruined like <laughs> most people's lives. And he's like, oh, stop, man. You're ruining my ad. I was like, dude, your ad showed up on my Facebook feed. Yeah. I can say whatever I want. That's true. You know, and I've seen it. You know, we lost probably $20,000 four or five years ago because these things shut down. Jeez. And now he's, you know, but the thing is, you know, these cycles, right? Like new people come in, they forget what happened. So well, now, you know, this guy's like, yeah. You're a fellow podcaster, right? So it's the same thing in the podcasting space because like, it's the same business model, right? People see this new innovative thing, but is it being built sustainably? Like I started seeing people, um, oh God, I forgot a couple of the companies, but next thing you know, you see, oh, 
free uh, free data or free hosting. And I, I come from the IT hosting world too, so I, I know <laughs> I know how much that stuff costs. Bandwidth. Oh, you get free bandwidth for your podcast. I'm like, okay, but then where are they going to make the money back? There's no right. way. Like, so I've always paid to play. That, that's like you got to have skin in the game. Nothing comes free. And the next thing you know, these hosting platforms who are giving you free bandwidth, all of a sudden, a year or two later, are gone or they're shutting down. And now you got to migrate your podcast or migrate your site or whatever. It's like, guys, like you got to be careful with that free bandwidth stuff. So, and that's just, a, wow. you know, I didn't even know about this. Oh, dude. <laughs> I even... Yeah. I trust me. I'm a geek. Like I'll, I'll, I might be a health and fitness nut, but when I yeah. go, when I go to invest my time into something like launching a podcast, I did a ton of research before I launched in September, 2016, because I wanted to at least, I don't like getting blindsided and right. Now, granted, I probably should have launched in maybe August, but you know, because I started getting that paralysis by analysis, and then I pulled my head out of the mud, and I'm like, all right, dude, just launch. Just get, take action. You know enough. Uh, you've protected yourself here and there. You, you got a good hosting platform. Let's just go. So, and uh, But there's other people I know that have fallen down that hole. Next thing you know, they've had to migrate their site, and they're, they don't know where their, uh, their files are at, and they're all, all this craziness. I've, I've heard horror stories about this stuff, so... That's insane, yeah. Yeah. When I when I start businesses, I go down the rabbit holes like that. But with the podcast, it was nothing like that. I was at, in Bangkok at a conference, and the conference organizer, he's a good friend of mine. He's like, Tom, you should just start a podcast. You talk a lot of shit. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing ever. And the next week, I had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, you can see that on the site, too. Uh, and actually, I'm doing some screen sharing for the video feed for the YouTubers. So, yeah, I mean, you've had some good names on here, man. Like, you... you 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 get around so I yeah like some you know of people you've had building your building your network is the number one thing to focus on in business um yeah there's actually dan andrews he's the one that told me to uh start the podcast oh and, that was him i was like dude that's, that was him yeah yeah dan's a good friend and he just sold his business too which you know it it really um we have some interesting talks right because now he's like dude why did i do that i had a great business um, that worked by itself. And now I spent all this time trying to find a business like that to invest in, and there's nothing out there. Hmm. And, and, you know, it's, yeah, sometimes you just, you know, but when you're, yeah, when you're in this world, you, you hear these things. So does, does he have some regrets? Quite a bit, man. He, he wrote a book called um, Before the Exit. I think that's what it's called. And, and he talks about this whole, you know, journey of selling it. But now, you know, he's starting a new company. But yeah, his main thing is like, you know, if you ask him about the main regret in business, he just sits there quietly. And I'm like, you know, Ooh. he wrote a book about it. So it's, <laughs> it, there's, there's definitely a pain point. It's a pain point. And, you know, but sometimes, and that's why that episode was called Stay on the Fucking Bus, is <laughs> um, he was explaining to me, like, Tom, like when you get into business, um, you're going to have to level up and go through different stages of the business and think of each one as a bus stop. Okay. Right. And what we usually do is when we get to that third stop, we look around and see other people riding in much faster, nicer buses. And we get off that bus hmm. and get on that one to only realize that at some point we're going to be on that third stop again, you know, and then to break through, sometimes you got to stick with it and break through these walls. And, you know, he had a wall in front of him. He didn't want to break through. He was on like the 10th or 15th stop, though. It was pretty far out. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the same, you know, logic, though. And 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 then, you know, he got off the bus. Well, so and you, now... Go ahead. And now he's back at, you know, stop one. 
<laughs> so, so here, here, I, I've I've studied the entrepreneurial space for a while, right? And I, I you've been, you've been around the block longer than me. So, because I, I actually came from the jobby job world and had the careers and all that stuff uh, before yeah. the, before the firefighting, and then you know I had that was my little <laughs> that was my little escape for a couple of years, and then came back and did something you know started getting more independent. But the the thing I've learned is that there's really two types of companies that an entrepreneur starts. It's, are you building a company for legacy, for the long haul, uh, or are you building a company to be sold? I mean, I, I know that sounds really simple, but would you agree or disagree with that? There's a third one. Oh, uh, interesting. The, the lifestyle business. There we go. Okay. Right. We and like, that's we what like lifestyle. Where, where are you going with that one? Yeah. So a lot of people around me... Um, what they want to do is they want to be able to live and do whatever they want and have businesses run themselves. And those are lifestyle businesses, right? And I like, like you those. put in, yeah, you put in very little effort uh, because the, you know, creating SOPs and systems, like we we're all obsessed about this. Um, and that's the business he built and he built it so well that he really didn't have to do a thing and it was working well and growing money, you know, but to make it bigger, um, which, you know, hanging around other successful business people, sometimes you feel like a failure just because someone's making, you know, 10, $20 million more than you. And you just like, you know, if I can't break through it, the main way I can make this money is maybe by selling the business, right? Cause you get the multiple. Yeah. But then you don't have the annual consistency, well, right? Like yeah, yeah, you're but, taking you know, the fat upfront paycheck and now you've lost the annual residuals. Yeah. So, you know, the faulty thinking there was that I can take that upfront and invest in another business just like this and grow it again um, easily, you know, to this point. And that and did he not... couldn't find other companies like he, had he yeah, he can't find anything like that. And and it was very interesting too, because when he was trying to sell this lifestyle business, people were not wanting to buy it because like, this doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like no owner required. Like this company's growing. There's nothing I can bring into it. Like a lot of people had a challenge with that, you know, because like when you buy a business, often it's like, I'm going to improve this and grow it by 15, 20%. But this thing was working so well by itself. Like people were looking at it like, this is not possible. So he, he just didn't think, wait a minute, I've got this puppy on autopilot. Cool. I just, I'll just go ahead and start another lifestyle business and keep doing this thing over and over again. And I'll have five to 10 on autopilot. But he, that didn't click, it sounds like. Well, you know, there's, there's something about focusing on the one thing too, you know, when I've, I've done this couple puppies at, at one time and, you know, there's always points when things start breaking sure. and like at, at bad times and they often happen at the same time and you get put against the wall. Like, okay, now three of my businesses are really hurting and I got to fix them all. And there's just no way in hell. Is that, uh, um, so you're hinting at the, the lack of focus, right? Cause maybe you've diversified yeah. too much. Yeah. So, you know, I do get this, like, you know, like uh, James Altucher always says, like, have seven um, types of passive income. I'm like, I've, I've been in this game long enough. First of all, there's no such thing as passive income. Yes. And seven, <laughs> and, and seven, it, it means you are, you are really playing with fire. Um, you spread thin. You've spread super thin, like you're juggling bowls, like, you know, that are, covered in oil pretty much. And, and the thing is, you know, some of the most successful people I know around me and one company is the empire flippers. Like they've, you know, been saying focused on the one thing for a long time. They 
grew from nothing in the last five, six years to a team of 150 and the top fastest growing companies on the 500 Inc or 5000 Inc. It's a huge, you know, company now. Wow. And but they've been consistent, just focusing on one thing. And I got to tell you from my experience too, from going from juggling three, four businesses to just one or two now, things are growing so much faster. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but it does, you know, because before I was like, you know, have these passive incomes and just so easy to grow things and, and bootstrap them. But just by focusing in, like, you know, the leaps you make mm. every month is incredible because like you're really in like you're making partnerships you're creating you know the different products you everyone knows what you're doing that's a big thing too right before it's like what does tom do like i don't know it depends when you ask him that's a good point yeah i mean it is it is not it is nice to know like people there's a term you know jack of all trades and i've joked around that i've been a scott of all trades but i try yeah. not to do too much at one time and there's actually a great quote i can't remember if john lee dumas did the acronym or if it was uh, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, but it was the uh, the acronym FOCUS, which is, you know, literally focus on one course until success, you know? So yeah. there, there, there's yeah. a simple saying right there. Like you can't do three startups at the same time. I mean, you could try. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I know both of these guys. And, you know, Pat's, uh, one of his favorite books is Essentialism. It's the same thing as the one thing. Um, that's a, that's a book also, but you know it's the same concept. At John Lee Dumas, yeah, I've spoke with him. I had him on the podcast. I've spoke with him at the World Domination Summit. Yeah. Um, and you know that's that's a very structured and and strategic guy focusing on one thing too. You know, like everything goes around his flagship product, and it 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 works, man. Yeah. Like I remember, he was in the same group as uh, I'm in. Um, the uh, entrepreneur group and he was there like I still remember his post like guys I'm thinking of starting a daily podcast you know will you come on my show well that, and the, the it, funny thing is he, he's now changing that did you hear that yeah yeah he's going back to like three or four but now he's charging like 5k to get on that podcast I know right so. because he's got the brand growth because he was on yeah. my buddy my, my buddy Michael O'Neill of the solopreneur hour he was my first episode he was my coach to help me get the podcast going and so he was on one of uh, Michael's recent episodes for 2019, and John Lee was talking about that. JLD's like, dude, he's like, ah, you know, it's 2,000 shows later. You know, it's time for a change. And I think I think he's even going to a longer format too. Yeah, yeah. I actually spoke about um, this with him on my show because he was hitting a plateau, you know, yeah. and I was talking with him about that, you know, and I'm like, what's next, John? And he's like, well... That's a good question, <laughs> you know, because because he sort of played out all his moves with the format and what he was doing, you know, and it was it was a lot of money, but it's you know he just didn't see how he can sustain it or or hustle harder, you know, because sometimes it's like you know just just hustle more. Well, that doesn't always no. it's not always viable. You'll eventually you know? burn out. There's only so much yeah. hustle to be had. <laughs> it's like with, with squats and deadlift. Like, okay, so if I want to get stronger, what do I do? Do them twice a week? You know, that's how people break their backs, you know? Like, you can only do so much. You, you need that rest recovery period. And, with, yeah, with John, I think it's the smartest move, right? Like, his income will go up and his workload will go down. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want that? Well, plus, he's already put in all those reps, so to speak, right? you got 2,000 shows out there. That's the beauty of podcast. That's evergreen content. It's up there. You don't take it down. It's there. So you can dude, still I can't use it. <laughs> I got a hundred something episodes and yeah. I'm like, dude, I, I did 70, I think 
last year and i was like man that's a lot and i look at some people like john and i'm like dude, dude so you're gonna nice. be probably right around 250 so i've i've released two shows a week since september 2016 so <laughs> uh i started with that and i stayed with that the i think actually no hold on i think i think the christmas to new year's transition i actually skipped one or two shows for the first time in two years but yeah like i, I literally just aired episode 245 today as you and i are talking so Wow. Yeah, I took a year break because I was, you know, when I, like I told you, I started the podcast just for shits and giggles, right? I was yeah. like, whatever. Um, and it helped me network. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, I was like, wow, I'm going to grow my network. And then my network was huge. You know, and I'm like, okay, what do I do this for? And then I restarted again, more focused. And, you know, and this is a thing which, you know, I've been told, but if you're thinking about podcasting, you should really consider if you want to make it viable, have something to sell on the back end. It That's is. I've never, I've never monetized my show. I'm, I, I've yeah. actually gained a client, uh, a well-paying client, thanks to the show. You know, so it's like technically, I guess I've monetized it because I'm making money thanks to the podcast. So right, right. Uh, but what I'm what I'm trying to say is, you know, you might not be selling it on the podcast, but it helps you focus in the podcast. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Right. So if you don't have anything to sell and you're just interviewing or speaking with people, you're going to be all over the place. Right. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, you know, like I'm selling something else and this is just for fun. And you know, the audience is like, okay, what is this guy doing? We're talking about startups today. We're talking about e-commerce the next day. We're talking about SEO the next day. Mm -hmm. Like there's no common theme really yeah. other than just, you know, whatever I'm interested in. So, you know, you might think that a Joe Rogan type show is great, you know, cause it is mm -hmm. but for most of us, it's just not, no, I mean, Joe, first of all, yeah. Joe Rogan's show crushes it because he already had a brand and a reputation. So that's why people are like, oh my God, how come you, he's like, you got that nice open format and everything else. It's like, yeah, but I was like, the one thing I've done is along the way is like, if people go to my site, I've actually categorized the podcast so people can go and just listen to health or just look for business or right. just look for lifestyle, <clears throat> you know, but in the end, all of my co-hosts end up talking about those three areas where like, even if I'm talking to a doctor, like the doctor is still an entrepreneur, right? So there's different, different concepts there, but to your point, yes, it, it, you have to have some level of direction. Um, you can't, Joe Rogan's a unique character, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I've seen it a lot lately with some of the new people, you know, in the scene. They're like, yeah, I want to make a show like Joe Rogan. I want to make a store like Amazon. Hmm. You know, I want to build a business. And I'm like, so what are you doing? I'm building influence right now. I'm like, what do you mean building influence? What are you selling? Nothing yet. Like, like, like going about things backwards, right? Yeah. Like starting a new store, you're not in competition with Amazon. You're not even in the same game as no. Amazon. You don't have a ticket to the game yet. No. You know, like, don't even look at Amazon. That's the same thing with Joe Rogan. Like, you, you're, not, you're not even, you know, like, think about this past, right? Comedian, um, popular An MMA TV fighter. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, like, all this stuff, right? You're not even in the same field as this guy. Like, yeah. yes, you're using the podcast format, but you don't even have tickets to that game. So, you know, and with business too, like I'm seeing a lot of this, like, you know, building influence before starting a business. So like, what's the point? No. Go sell something. Yeah. Go sell something. And I then tell people, all the time, people are like, oh, well, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm building a, my brand up, my personal brand. I'm like, yeah, what is that? dude, what's that mean? How do you make money, bro? Like, yeah. if people go to my site, you know, they'll <clears throat> they see that I, there's services that I do do. Like, yes, I've had people call me and reach out to me and say, hey, you do some branding, you, you do some brand design or you're a strategist. I'm like, yeah, because that's my education. That's my background. Like, yeah, I've, you know, I've done it. You know, so yes, I don't push it heavily on the show, 
but people at least know that, yes, I can do that if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's fine, right? But that's the thing. Like a lot of them don't have anything to sell and they're building influence or like you said, personal brand. Yeah. And I'm like, look, personal brand is a good insurance policy. Sure, but so absolutely. But so is a good network. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not selling anything, it's pointless. No, it's... It is completely pointless. You, some people feel guilty about that, right? And I was like, you know, why do you feel guilty? You, you have food to put on the table. You have, whether it be for yourself or your family. Like, dude, it's it's who you, it's your show. You should be, like I tell people all the time, like if I'm going to monetize anything, it'll be myself. I mean, I don't need, I don't need people. Like I've had people ask me if they're going to do an ad on my show. And I'm like, nah, I was like, I don't like your product or your service. And if I'm going to advertise anything, I'll advertise my shit. It's my show. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah. Like people listen to my show and subscribe for a reason. So eventually somebody's going to be like, Oh dude, I love Scott. I love his show. And yeah, I know he's that guy. Oh dude. Yeah. Scott's a marketing guy. Hey, you should reach out to him. I love his podcast. Right. Like that's how I've gotten clients. So because they at least know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't just yeah, podcast. The funny, the funny thing about, you know, having the podcast, and I didn't really think about this before, but now that I've been really focusing in and like doing more about the courses, online courses and marketing and those people, like I'll have clients who sign up with me. And when we talk, they're like, you know, so I heard you say this on the show and I'm like, okay, so I don't have to say it again. Like, this is great. <laughs> like so many things. I mean, they're just like, I've heard you talk about this. And I'm like, well, so we're done for today. Yeah. Like, you got this but you, you know, know but it, yeah. they they needed to throw some skin into the game, and I think they just needed to get into a professional domain with you. And it is funny how that happens, right? Like, dude, you heard me <laughs> say it to to thousands of people. Why is it any different now? But I don't know. If they feel good when they get to have that one on one session. Hey, whatever, whatever locks it in and gets you to yeah, pay attention. Yeah, it, it's fine, but it's you know, it's just so funny. I'm just like, wow, I, yeah, I, I've had been saying that, mm-hmm. and you listened. Yeah. Okay, so we're good. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, that's the power of podcasting, right? And, and it, it also does make it easier to get clients in some ways because people are more comfortable with you. They trust you. Yes. You know, one other thing about being able to sell is, you know, being a professional, mm-hmm. not being authentic, being a professional. And in the online world, especially, that means not going away after a year or two, like you said, with these free hosting things. Oh, yeah. And what's the best way to prove that is by having a podcast or some kind of a show for a year or two or three or four or five. And people are like, wow, this guy's been in my face for so long. He's not going anywhere. I can trust him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, there you go. You're over a hundred shows. I'm over 200 shows. Like, dude, we're not screwing around. Like, okay. Like I, I, when I commit to something, I'm committed. And plus I also have fun with this. I love having conversations like this. So like, I don't, I, I literally say that on my show, I'm not BSing. My listeners, I'm like, if I didn't enjoy doing this, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Life is too short. Why would I keep doing something? That's like another one of those definitions of insanity. Like, why would you keep doing something yeah. you don't enjoy? Yeah, but, you know, there's a huge group of, especially in the online marketing space, of people who come in, try to get quick money, and then just can't make it and just they're, they're, they, they disappear, right? Oh, and you mean like ClickFunnels? <laughs> Well, Not, nothing, against, are, nothing against ClickFunnels. It works for some people, but I'm like, they're, everybody's they're obsessed with ClickFunnels right now. They're more of a cult. It's yeah. it's a little different. It's like CrossFit, except <laughs> online. And I, I can agree with that because people bust on CrossFit all the time, and I've been doing CrossFit because I found it since I was firefighting. And it made me strong and made me a safer firefighter. But you're right. There's a lot of people who just think it's a cult. And I'm like, well, 
at least in the CrossFit world, at least you're getting, at least it's a healthy fit cult. I'll go with that, right? Uh, ClickFunnels, man, it's like people going to these like giant conferences. Like you got to come to the ClickFunnel conference. I'm like, okay. Uh, um, well, look, yeah. with CrossFit though, it depends on, you know, the trainer. Because I've seen people yes. in, in Thailand especially getting hurt a lot under one trainer and then doing well on a different one. But if for, I remember for three, six months, I, I used to always laugh. Like if you want to go get hurt, go to okay. CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you are right, because I'm actually a certified trainer in CrossFit. And so uh, there you go. I tell people, like, dude, when you look at going to a new CrossFit facility, you look at three things. You look at the quality of the coach and and, and their, their skill level. You look at the quality of the community and the, the people that are there also. And then, obviously, the programming and how they're designing the workouts. And are they rotating the programming properly so you're not burning out certain muscle groups and yes all of those things come into play it's not just oh i'm just gonna go do crossfit like no dude like do your research make sure you're comfortable there make sure you like the community and the people you're surrounded with because it is different than a traditional gym there's actually a community it's not just a bunch of people yeah. walking in with headphones on <laughs> but that's the scary thing of it too right like i've had a lot of injuries from sports mm -hmm. right and you know i i have my routine you know i'll do heavy deadlifts and squats and things like that but then i see you know these videos of like someone that's new out of shape going into a crossfit thing the social part you know everyone's like cheering them on do a snatch and with like something and i'm like why in no. the world no would you like even now if someone told me at my gym go do a snatch i'm like and why would you ever want me to do that yeah i tell people all the time uh, yeah, those videos do send a bad signal, and that's the sad. That's a sad part because as a trainer, I don't train full time anymore. But I was, you know, I, I actually I just coached a, a class yes, yesterday for a friend of mine. He's like, "Hey, dude," he's the owner of one of the gyms I drop in at, and he's like, "Hey, could you cover a class?" I'm like, "Sure." I used to coach there, so, but I always, if I see a new face, I I, I spend a few minutes with them. Like, hey, I don't I don't know you. <laughs> What's your, what's your pre-existing conditions? Do you have any injuries? Where's your training at? Where's your skill level at? Because I'm going to make them scale and adapt the work. I don't want them coming in and just doing it at the prescribed level that an advanced athlete is doing. You're, you're from different walk of life. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, but, but I've seen that. Like I had a buddy that was, you know, doing all these snatches and overheads and he was walking in pain on painkillers all day. And I'm like, you know, yeah. what are you doing? Uh, going to CrossFit tomorrow. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, dude. why would you want to do an overhead? Like, wh why do you need this? Like, you know. No, dude, like I, like I said, I, I was telling you earlier, like I just did a competition on Saturday and we placed third. But here's the funny thing. Yeah. I, I, I had a, an injury from a different thing that I was doing because I'm a crazy mountain biker. And uh, so I took the whole week off. I spent the week yeah. going to get massages, chiropractic care, and trying out that uh, cryogenic thing, you know, to help reduce inflammation. You know, what the hell? You know, so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let my body heal. And then I showed up and did the competition and we placed third. So I was like, cool, you know, but, and then I took yesterday off. I, all I did was coach a class and people are like, oh, you're not going to work out. I'm like, no, I just did four workouts on Saturday as a competition. I'm good. I'm going to take a rest and recovery day to let my body heal. And then I went to the chiropractor yeah. this morning. I, I've got a wellness practice built into my lifestyle. So people need, I, I agree with you, man. People need to understand the importance of rest and recovery, not just from a physical level, but going back to business to your mental level, dude, you can burn out. So like my girlfriend, she's really into Muay Thai. Oh, right? yeah. She's, she's, she's always training it like, you know, like for hours and she's Thai. 
and the joke like they don't know anything about crossfit really but mm-hmm. her from seeing some you know some of the people around she says that's where the overweight people go to mess around you know <laughs> and 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 for me when you mentioned click funnels i'm like that's just where the newbies that don't know any better go to mm-hmm. start their first funnels you know and the whole funnel thing like come on it's just a sales conversation it's nothing new yeah. like when you know someone's like you need to build a funnel i'm like well what do you think what we have is a, like a what, sales process is a funnel you're just using a, key, a new buzzy keyword ha- yeah has, so hashtag it's, funnel. it's the same yeah it's like <laughs> funnel i'm like like really like Dude, it's like it's like have- it's like keto right now like i i i live a very technically a ketogenic lifestyle but people think keto is the new thing i'm like dude do you realize that the ketogenic lifestyle or the ketogenic diet or whatever you want to call it was started back in the early 1900s by a cancer doctor they used it to fight cancer before all this yeah. drug crap came in this isn't new this is actually a proven methodology but thanks to social media and ignorant people now everybody's making it like the paleo thing or i don't know every all the other things my like, guys like at least do your research like the ketogenic lifestyle is actually a legitimate thing and next thing you know i'm going to start seeing freaking keto cookies and keto cakes and whatever kind of other moronic thing someone's going to try and slap together and make money off of so they have those they yeah. have the keto ca- uh, cookies yeah i've seen that i'm yeah. like there's no such thing as a keto cookie it's a cookie <laughs> Like the whole point of keto is to not have any any way, shape, or form of anything that could be converted into a sugar. Like ha- there's no way you can make a dessert, just a fat. I, I'm sorry, it's not dessert. I'm sorry. No, they have it. Hold on, I just I looked this up not too long ago. Someone told me about and it. If keto, they did, then they- more power to them. But again, what are you mentally? What are you doing? Like I don't eat dessert. And people are like, oh, you're depriving yourself. I'm like, dessert is not food. So great, you're you're trying to make people feel better. You're just you're just keeping people hooked on the whole concept of dessert. So when they get weak, they're gonna go and do some other kind of like bad dessert. Like I don't eat dessert. It's not a, it's not food to me. It's not fuel. So <laughs> you can go ahead and make make your fatty cookie. I'm not gonna eat it. I want to yeah, eat a but steak. It's, it's funny when you mention that because I just seen it. <laughs> Keto cookies. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, anyway, yeah, like, well, I'm sorry. I, I grill a beautiful steak or I will make my bacon and eggs or I love, um, I mean, it's not, not in Thailand, but I love uh, pho, uh, the, the, the brothy soup with meat the and vegetables Vietnamese in soup, it. yeah. Oh, yeah. so good. Like, dude, like, I, I just had some last week over in New Jersey. It was a beautiful pho restaurant or pho, however you say it, pho. And uh, I made sure, I was like, listen, I don't want any of the noodle stuff in there. Just give me all that beautiful broth and the meat. And give me the extra tendons and ligaments. Like, give it all to me, man, because that's all good connective tissue. <laughs> and the MSG. They always put a handful that in pisses, Vietnam. That I did ask. They, they actually did have on the menu. They did promise no, MSG, no uh, MSG. So maybe this is a new thing they're trying to help improve their image. I don't know. <laughs> so here's a um, funny thing about pho. I went to Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, went to one of the best pho places. And I'm like, yeah, let me get some pho. And everyone's laughing at me. The whole restaurant right okay and i'm like what do you mean he's like let me get some pho and it's a tonal language you know vietnamese is a tonal language okay. so you have pho and pho right oh. and i said pho. so pho is a hooker a pho <laughs> is a soup <laughs> so, okay hold on i gotta clarify this so it's not pho it's pho so, yeah it's it's like the ah goes down a little bit in tone oh pho. it's a tone thing oh it's a tone thing so if you go pho with the 
Uh, going so it sounds almost like uh, fuck. Uh, you know, I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, well, just, well, yeah. it just so, blew my yeah. mind. I, I was, I, you know, I might have said that that way, but luckily it wasn't a Vietnamese girl serving me, so she probably yeah. wouldn't have caught me on that. So, so yeah, it's, <laughs> these fun experiences happen a lot when you travel the world, <laughs> dude. Uh, I, again, that's why I want to make sure our listeners knew you were dialing in from you know Thailand because you you've literally created that lifestyle business model where you can work and play from anywhere. So Yeah, and, and I've done that too, and it's been beautiful, man. I lived all over Europe, uh, all over Asia, lived in Japan, lived in Taiwan, lived in Vietnam, lived here, lived in uh, Berlin, Prague, Warsaw, Lisbon, Barcelona. Like I've lived in a lot of spots, you know, that I wanted to um, for a couple months each until I get tired of them. And But, you know, Chiang Mai is one of these where like, I don't know what, once you come here and leave, like there's just something pulling you back. And Although I don't stay the whole year, I'm, I'm here a lot, like, you know, right. between three and nine months, depending on the year. I was going to ask but, you that, like, what's your average uh, stay time? Yeah, because like, like this year, um, in a month, there's going to be burning season here, which, you know, Chiang Mai is in between mountains and they start burning the rice fields and things. So yep. the pollution gets like crazy, out of control. So we go down south by the beach for two months. And then, you know, I usually do a little stint in the U.S., then in Europe and come back around August or uh earlier depending on the month on the year um but yeah it's 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 a great place other than march to may like you do not want to come here march to may like it's just so bad pollution levels at like shanghai you know and then mumbai type you know so it, like you can't breathe at all so it's a great place other than those two three months hmm. well, that's good to know do not go during burning season you do not want to go during burning season well, I, my, my next travels are in the next couple months to be going to Canada, so they don't really have a burning season up there, so I don't have to worry about that. So, <laughs> Well, when they had those wildfires, man, that was a burning season. Yeah, but like, see, I, li- that's what I did for two years, so I already lived in the smoke. Because like, everybody's yeah. like, oh, you, you don't wear an air mask? I'm like, we were wildland firefighters. You, you, I'm already hiking with a chainsaw and like 50 pounds of gear on my back. Where am I going to fit an air tank and an air mask? <laughs> it's like, no, you just... You just breathed it all in. It was it was totally not healthy for you at all. But that's what federal wildland firefighters do. So, well, when you want to talk about impossible in Vietnam, I seen two ladies carrying a queen's mattress on their scooter. Now that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, wait, between the two scooters or on one scooter? On one scooter. I, I'm not sure how they were doing it. Did but they I have just really seen... long arms? <laughs> I, I just I have no idea how they were doing it, but I just seen this scooter with these two ladies and a mattress, and I just like I I, I don't know I, I was more shocked by what I seen that I didn't try to figure out how they were doing it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I think you'd pretty much get like I don't know stopped in your mental tracks with that one. Yeah, I'm like, what am I just seeing right now? And yeah, and and stuff like that happens all the time. And they'll carry crazy things. I'm like, how is this happening? There's like five people on a scooter carrying like a door. Like, what is like? How is this possible? I have seen some yeah. interesting videos from that side of the world, and it is impressive <laughs> how they choose to transport things. And hey, they pull it off, man. I mean, it's totally doable. no. It's it's amazing. It's just you know like the what people can accomplish like when they have to. It's just incredible. Oh, here you, you know? go. I mean, this is not a mattress, but I just quickly did some googling. This dude's got a whole lot of, looks like zucchini or squash and. Yeah, there you go. I mean, nothing, nothing wrong gonna go there, right? Dude, like you turn a little too fast. That's a lot of payload. Like you're going down, man. I mean, come on. 
and it looks like an old bike too, probably like 115 cc. Like that thing is not meant for. No, that, that thing looks beat. And he's got something like sticking out of his mouth, like a like a pen or something. So hopefully it doesn't yeah, fall on his face. I yeah, mean, of course, why not? <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's like just some, some of the stuff you see is just like man, like these people, they're they're good, man. Hardworking like, people. Yeah, it's definitely not the Walmart crowd. No, and uh, yeah, exactly. You see a scooter at a Walmart, it's somebody who weighs like 400 pounds. Uh, like those are the people that should be walking. <laughs> you know, it's like, why Why are you in a scooter? Like you, you actually should be taking a stroll and maybe you exercising. Know, I actually went back to Walmart um, to pick something up for my parents last time I went. And dude, it was sad, man. Like I usually, you know, like I get it, you know, with the weight, you know, people go through different things and they gain weight. But, you know, when you see someone on one of these scooters, like they can't even get off of them and they have like a two pound slushy in their hand. And you're just like, man, like, where did we go wrong? It's called uh, back to marketing. The sugar industry is very good at what they do. And to you, and our country is a perfect example. The past 20, 30 years, it's only gotten worse. That's why I live a hardcore sugar-free lifestyle because Everybody in my family is way bigger than me. So there's no proof of genetics. People are like, oh, well, you have great genetics. I'm like, no, dude, it's called a healthy lifestyle. Like, trust me, you could do it too. It's just, it's just going to take a little reprogramming and, and stop listening to the BS marketing that's out there and all the really bad, unhealthy crap. So, uh, so yeah. this really is the case too, because you know, like in, in some of these Asian countries, um, Thailand, one of them, like, you know, the, the girls used to be like super skinny, all of them, you know, and people are like, wow. But now, since we've got Starbucks, McDonald's, and now Taco Bell's edging in, I think next next month or next year, God. like very soon, um, and the Seven Eleven culture picked up, like you start seeing like twenty to thirty percent like really overweight people now yeah. too. You know? Yeah, we're, we're, and it's, that's one thing that pisses me off about our country. Like we're supposed to be this amazing influence in the world, and we're unfortunately people are paying attention to the bad crap that we created. Fast because food. it's advertised well, yeah. Ugh. Like Starbucks is like such a glamour symbol in, in here, right? Like um, the average wage for like, let's say a service worker, it will be $300 a month, right? Okay. Um, and a cup of Starbucks is $5. Yeah. So, you know, um, if you divide that, you know, someone's making $10 a day, but they have a $5 Starbucks thing in their hand. So think about America, like you walk around with a $50, $60 drink in your hand, that's a status symbol, right? Yeah. Like, who else is going to drink that? Like, when I went to Warsaw, they had um, these small cans of matcha tea in a can imported from Japan, and it was $100. Well, an average person makes around $40, $50 a day. Wow. So, carrying that in your hand, you yeah. know what I mean? But at least that's healthy. Um, I but mean, I'm, but I'm just, th thank you. I do agree with that. Like, I mean... Again, if you're gonna get a Starbucks coffee, just get the coffee with nothing added. Like, <laughs> don't don't let them add their pumps of sugar and other crap in there because that's where the obesity is coming from is the sugar. So, yeah, I only drink matcha now. Uh, we actually found two fields uh, in the north of Thailand where they grow tea, green tea, mm -hmm. and they actually make their own matcha. So we went there, we seen it, it was legit, and I'm like, wow. And one of them actually tastes very close to the Japanese one because I lived in Japan, and I loved their matcha, and I was like, wow. it's very close. Um, and I just drink that. I think that's like, you know, you can't beat that my, freshness. You cannot. And, and, you know, even the pre-workout I, I have, it's called pre-caged and I found it to be the only natural ingredient pre-workout on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I really do try keeping on like 
my energy levels and then just my the, the brain fog is gone like it's just the clarity um really depends on the supplements and the diet like oh, you know God, I, yeah. i've tested so many things and like oh my god like there's so there's such a difference you know even like my injuries you know like the the collagen and something else i'm taking like for the knees and stuff like you can feel the difference after a couple of weeks oh right? yeah like i've uh I went back to the way it was when I was a kid. I was born on a farm. So my dad yeah. used to have two big freezers and he used to stock it with butcher meat for the winter. So yeah. two years ago, I started doing that again. I, I put in a deposit down and there's a local farm about two hours from here that they, they raise the beef grass fed. And I can basically say, Hey, I want a quarter of that animal for me. Yeah, And I know exactly how it's raised. And I say, give me the bones too. And I actually do a slow cooker and I actually make my own bone broth for the healthy collagen and I want yeah. that tissue recovery. Yeah. I want the, the anti-inflammatory benefits from drinking bone broth. I make my own bone broth teas. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something we have to relearn. Mm -hmm. Cause it, yeah, that's, everybody's like, Oh, Oh, you don't, you drink broth or bone broth. I'm like, well, if, if you went back a few years, that's the only way you made broth. That's <laughs> way all the cultures did it back then. It was like, that's the way broth was made. You took the entire carcass and you made, after you had dinner, you took the leftovers and you made broth. I, I, and now we got we have two different kinds. You have the manufactured factory crap, and then you have legitimate broth that was actually made from you know with bones in the pot. So uh, yeah, yeah, but it's you know like I said, it's something we have to relearn because you know like the the food industry, um, you know they kind of get us to like you know get everything processed and and eat clean. What they mean by eat clean is like you know you shouldn't see any veins or any bones or anything around. It should just be like a little breast meat or something which is great but that means we lost a lot you know mm -hmm. and and you got to re-input that in your diet yep. and it's you know it's it's not as easy you know like it took a lot of research it took me a couple of years to really figure out and nail down my supplements that i take every day but you know they made a lot of difference and it's just i, I tell you know. people all the time what you just said is uh, you took upon yourself to become your own, basically your own inner physician. Like it's, it's your body. Yeah. Take responsibility for it. Do a little study. There's, there's no excuse nowadays going back to podcasting, right? Like, dude, anybody can download and listen to a podcast. It's up to you to choose to commit to do that. Like everybody says they walk around ignorant and they say they don't have the time to learn something new. Come on, man. Audiobooks, YouTube, uh, a podcast, like there's free content out there. Just take yeah. advantage of it. Yeah, like I just had a friend who um, he owns an agency and he came up. He's like, hey, Tom, like, you know, I've been taking Ambien for oh, like God. two years now, you know, and, you know, I, I gave him some of the supplements that I take in the evening. You know, one of them is like Power Sleep PM. Mm -hmm. And look, the worst thing in there is soy, you know, but comparing that to Ambien, it's nothing. I, I am anti-soy, but I would have to agree with you. <laughs> That's uh, I would probably do the same thing because I actually one one big thing that I recommend for before bed is a, a properly designed magnesium supplement. I mean that's that, that improved my sleep exponentially. Uh, your magnesium yeah, so, is essential. So. so so that's what I told him. But uh, so I told him to take some ZMA, mm -hmm. um, some rhodiola, because you know if you can't stop thinking, rhodiola is a very good calming down supplement. And since, you know, if someone's been on Ambien for two years, they need something stronger. So that's the power sleep PM, right? It's yeah. it's all natural. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know why they keep making the gelatin around the actual pill with yeah. soy in it, you know? So, and, and but, you know, 
it's cheaper but you know if you really think of like you know prescription versus this i'm like look you know a little bit of soy will not kill you it's not going to make you a girl (laughs) (laughs) so you should be okay well Um, hands down you're talking about you're comparing a supplement to a drug I mean, that's a hard drug. Yeah. Like people, people trip out on that stuff. So yeah, but but for me, you know, even that soy bugs me. Like that little part bugs me. But you know, yo, comparing it to a prescription, I'm like, dude, you just you can't lose with this one. Like, yeah. it, you know, it puts everyone I know to sleep, and it's super healthy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I told him like my problem with it is the soy. He didn't care. Like you know, he's like whatever soy. Like I drink soy, whatever you know. I'm like, well, yeah, but just saying, like, you know, I have to put that in because it does mess with my head every time I take it. You know, yeah. I'm like, you know, I got to take some stuff. I got to early wake up, but, you know, I'm taking a little bit of soy. You know, so, but, uh, you know, when you when you do research, we do get to that stage where like a little too maybe into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but hey, at least we took the time to care. And... If nothing else, I've been doing it for so long now that I have I've had to catch myself, and I I choose not to offer the information unless somebody actually seriously cares and actually does want to know, and they actually ask me because I I'm tired of trying to help people and if they don't want to be helped, you can't help everybody. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he actually asked me because he's like, dude, like you look much healthier, and I can't get off of Ambien, and I was like, well. Just copy what it works for me. It should be okay. Yeah. You know, and, that- give your, and here's the other thing. Give yourself enough time to make the transition. A lot of people get very impatient. And if you're on a pharmaceutical, mm. that's a hard drug, dude. It might take a little while to come off of that. So I, I wish. Yeah, but that's just, it meet, it, I just, it's sad when I hear like someone put them on that in the first place. Well, I, I tell people all the time, a pharmaceutical <clears throat> anything is basically a pharmaceutical band-aid. It's not you haven't found the root cause. You got to find the root cause and then work on that. Yeah. Pharmaceuticals are just they're just treating symptoms. They're not actually finding a cure with that. So that's just my point of view anyway. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing about Thailand is that you don't need prescriptions for anything. No. So it makes it even that tougher, right? Like you can go I can go to a pharmacy here and be like give me an antibiotic, a painkiller, a sleeping pill and whatever. It Oof, just it doesn't matter. Like scary. I can grab it off the yeah. So the scary thing that they do here is like, you know, people go in for, with a cough and she's like take an antibiotic. It'll go away quick. Because you know, it's cheaper than maybe the cough medication. Yeah, but right? is that one formulated for you? I mean, yeah, wow. but I'm I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. So that's a big difference in the market here. Like, like in in the U.S., we sometimes bitch and complain because, like, ah, what do I got to see a doctor to see a specialist to get something that I know I need? Yep. So in some ways, here it's like, okay, I can just go grab it. But then, if you don't know what you need, and you ask them, <laughs> a lot of the time, like, you know, you might get some like hardcore, <laughs> dude. Like basically a, everything is over the counter over there. <laughs> basically. Yeah. So one time, like I had a, a real bad back pain and I just went to like, I didn't know. I was like, just give me something. She gave me a muscle relaxant. Right. Mm. And I call one of my buddies. He's a Muay Thai champion from the States. And he's like, dude, like they give that shit to like professional wrestlers here. How did you get? <laughs> I'm like, well, I just went to the little lady by the counter and she's like, here, take this. You'll be fine. And she was right. I was fine. Wow. I didn't feel it. I should hope so. (laughs) Jeez. That's awesome. I mean, it's scary, but awesome. I mean, it's, wow. It just, you know, blew my mind. Like, I was not used to it, you know. And I'm like, wow, they just give you anything. So now I'm I'm much more careful. Like, they'll give me something and I'll go on Google and be like, what is this? I was (laughs) going to say, I feel feel like you have to almost Google while you're standing there before you even leave with it. Yeah, that's what I do. 
Oh, jeez. They'll give me like three options and I'm Googling for side effects. I'm like, what are you giving me? What's the dosage? And like one of them, like she did give me antibiotic and it was like a thousand milligrams of like uh, Axi something or Moxie. I don't know. And and I looked on Google and they're like, oh, people only take 500. Like, why did you give me a thousand? This is like double the dose. She's like, oh, it's cheaper. And I'm like, just give yeah, me the th- 500. Thank you. I do appreciate being able to buy in bulk. <laughs> uh, I just don't want the bulk to lead to possible death. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, but it's it's one of the um, beautiful things about Thailand. Jeez. Well, dude, this has been awesome, man. I'm, I'm actually glad we got to wrap it up. I, I think it's funny you brought some of this in at the end. I thought that was awesome because it's, it's good to – I love world culture, and I think more people do need to get out there, travel more, even if you can't do it for your own business. Maybe Even if you are an employee and you're not an entrepreneur, just get out there and see more of the culture. And you've been around the block, man. I mean, it's – it's cool to hear that you've adapted so well, <laughs> I guess to say. Well, that. you know, I think if a lot more people did it, um, we would have much healthier filters that we mm. see the world through, you know? Yes. Like sometimes when I'll hear someone from the Midwest that never left their city give opinions on politics and world anything, I'm like, stop. Yeah. Just have, stop. Have, you tra- have you traveled? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just like, I know anything you're going to say in the next sentence will be nonsense. So let's just stop this right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, you have the right to say that you've, you've been around more than I have. I mean, I've, I, I, I'm looking forward to either later this year or next year, finally getting deeper into Europe of all places. I mean, I've done, I've, I haven't done enough world travel yet. So I, I never try and talk about it. Um, I always, I did study world cultures at the university, but I was like, I'm still not going to talk that much about South America and Central America until I finally get a chance to go there more. So, okay. Yeah. And, and see, this is the thing that you notice in any industry, anywhere in the world, someone like you, that's had some knowledge is probably not going to start talking much, but the biggest idiot on the block that hasn't seen anything. That's the has one. an opinion. That's <laughs> it's not even an opinion. Like that's the one that's going to start debating. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not even opinions. They just want to debate something. Maybe they heard on Fox News or something. Mm. You know, like I, I've seen it when I was small in school. Like all the people that didn't know the answer, they were always screaming stuff out. Yeah. And I was, I was one of these kids who just didn't want to be bothered. I usually had the answer. And the teacher called on me at the end and like, Tom, just tell him what it is. And I'm like, fine. And I said it and I stayed quiet again. But, you know, and sometimes they brought our parents to watch this. And my parents said the same thing. Like it was hilarious. Like watching like everyone scream. And at the end, just, you know, the person just like pointed at you and like, can you just. Well, and the sad part is they're, they're, they're screaming to make their point, which is an unsubstantiated point. It's like, (laughs) I can understand if you want to do that, if you actually have the research and you're making a stand, but you're literally trying to reinforce something you actually don't know just to, just, just to win an argument or win a debate. I'm like, I, well, I, I remember debates. Debates were meant for intelligent people to debate actual topics that they've actually studied or their point of view, not, I'm just going to just throw out a debate on, on bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but back then, the winner of the debate was the only one to get an award. Now, sure. everyone gets an award. <laughs> Don't get me going on that. Don't get me going on that. Oh, my God. Oh, oh you, you participated in a debate. Oh, well, everybody leaves with a participation trophy. Listen, if you don't uh, look, but that's the difference, right? (laughs) Like, that's why everyone's like, you know, I want to just scream and participate and I win. No. Well, this adds to the weakness of society. So 
it does but it's you know it's one of the things which i just feel like you know how are how is this going to work in the real world like when you start a business like do you think you're going to get anything by participating gotta you know or even in a career like in the music industry it was so ruthless man like people would like the shit they would do to get the session Mm -hmm. with a big star i mean you know you have yeah you have like dude like it was crazy survive survive or die mindset man like people would lock you out the building they'd send you to get something and lock you out just so you can't come in and they'll get in on your session like people (laughs) it was ruthless man i see you gotta first of all you gotta respect that that's that's got some ingenuity to it i never would have thought about that Um, i've done that before that's why i mentioned that (laughs) (laughs) that was you dude oh come on man but you know what you probably learned that from somebody so I, I did, but yeah. it's uh, it was one of those things. I'm just like, you know, hey, why don't you get a soda or something? Man? They wanted in room B. And yeah, just lock around. I'm on this, and they're like, "Where's our engineer?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm oh, here. <laughs> I'm ready to work, bro. I'm here for you. Let's do this." Yeah, I, I don't. I don't right, walk man. out. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. I like that. That shows your hustle, man. I think that's just because like people want everything handed to them. You can't have everything handed to you, dude. Sometimes I'm sorry, you got to put in the sweat equity. You got to put in the time. Yeah, there's a few shortcuts here and there, but what do you learn? No what do you what do you really. learn from the shortcut? What do you learn? There are really no shortcuts, man. Like last year, I I shut down one of my businesses, and I had a month where, you know, I, I had to make quite a bit more income to mm-hmm. keep my team going. And you know, it was back to the just we got to grind it out now. It was back to the 12, 14 hour days and creating partnerships, you know, doing all types of crazy things I could, you know, writing content. Like I would write 15 pieces of content in one day just to see if it's, you know, it's going to work. Um, and yeah, yeah, man, there's not the shortcuts, man. They're not. Well, I'll, I'll, I, my hint at a shortcut is something professional, like, for example, building and influencing networks, you know, like actually helping other people. Like it's not actually a shortcut. You actually have to put the work in. But that That's, is an example of a proper shortcut. You go and help other people in your industry and you build a reputation. Like if you help others, I truly believe in that full circle, right? If you help enough other people, it'll come back to you. But that's going to take work. But technically, that can be looked at as a professional shortcut, except you are putting in a lot of work to get there. <laughs> so, yeah, so like sometimes when I look at my network, I'm like, wow, that could be a shortcut but like, because I can launch or sell almost anything. But when I look back and how much just effort I put into that network, I'm like, dude, that's not a shortcut at all. That's like an eight-year shortcut, you know? It's not like all of these actual shortcuts, dude, they take a lot of effort, you know? That's like, uh, like you and I can probably agree on this, on these never-ending Facebook friend requests or LinkedIn requests. I'm like, guys, just because we have mutual friends doesn't mean we're supposed to be friends. Like, if, if you're going to at least try and friend me or LinkedIn connect me, could you please at least personalize the invite? Not yeah. saying, oh, I see we're in the same influencer circle. Um, you should definitely check this out. Would love to be on your network, or love to. I don't I'm like ah, that, that's not no. Like, dude, come on. Why don't we? Why don't we meet at another conference, and then maybe I'll accept your connection, and maybe we'll have an actual intelligent conversation. How about that? that that's something I've been drilling a lot too, man. Like prospecting is is being reborn lately like there's a lot of authors and sales guys talking about prospecting but i'm like i didn't realize it died but it did Mm -hmm. you know because of just the easiness of you know ads and things like a lot of people don't know they didn't go through that stage of having to prospect before they you know like my sales careers when i when i went through all these businesses before um and got training dude it was getting like i was sent on the streets in in new york like 
Brooklyn, Bronx, Harlem, like wherever, you know, Astoria, and like go hit the doors. Yeah. You know, like I've the law I've of went. the law of averages, right? How many yeah, how many slam I mean, doors in your face until you get that win? Well, dude, in, in Brooklyn, it was a lot of yelling and cussing you out too, man. Like, you know, oh, you look like a sales guy, and like just, yep. You know. but, but still, you, you like, had you to know, knock. You had to hit the doorbell. You had to knock. Yeah, but it, you know, it, it surprised me just how many people are starting to run businesses without learning how to properly sell and prospect. You know, and then now I'm seeing all these books about prospecting, and I'm like, whatever happened to that? You know, it's why do we even need to talk about it so much now? But I, I do get it. You know, because it's, it's, people it's like haven't passed heart. on the knowledge. That's the problem. You know, now everybody's like, oh, well, I got to build my influencer network. So when I launch my click funnel, there's enough people to share it and then hopefully send people into my funnel. And I'm like, oh, okay. There's, well, before there was funnels, there was a sales process. And before there was a sales process, the first step of a sales process is get your ass out into the street and meet people. <laughs> Like, that's how you gain influence. You have to physically connect with people. Like, I, wow, I, I, I'm impressed with technology now. We can virtually do it, but you still can't beat the power of talking to somebody in person or at least on, like, a webinar call or something, right? So, yeah. That's interesting. It just clicked when you said that. Like, you know, I, I've thought about it, and I'm like, wow. So when someone's trying to influence, I'm like, oh, so you mean you're going to try prospecting? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you just said, like, you know, they're, they're building an influence to sell the click funnel. Well, what do you need to do before selling? You need to prospect. Yeah. So you can, you, can have the, you can have the coolest looking click funnel yeah. ever. But if nobody knows about you, your product or your service, how are they supposed to find that funnel? Yeah, but I just didn't realize that people replace the word prospecting with influence. But the sad part is, is you and I are talking about that, that's not a proper replacement. It's actually, if you look at the definition not, of those words, they, they are not a synonym. So, yeah, but now, like, when all these people are saying, like, I'm building influence before you're selling, like, no, you should be prospecting right now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Stop trying to build influence about nonsense. Yeah. You know, I'm going to build a YouTube channel and influence. I'm like, dude, you, you don't even know what people want yet. Nope. I, I, I talk to my client all the time. He's just like, dude, he's like, I, I love, I, you know, YouTube's not growing fast enough. I was like, well, one of the th- reasons why is because you don't generate enough new content. Like, I can't. I'm running data off of old videos. Like I need new content so we can start seeing what your new followers want to actually, what are they drawn to the most? So if you're not generating new content, what the hell do you expect? Like, yes, like let's get some surveys out there because he's, he's got a lot of followers. And I'm like, dude, you got a lot of followers. You do well with the po- your podcast. You do well. Like we've grown his Instagram. You know, his Facebook has grown too. But I'm like, YouTube has been the slower growth. I'm like, it's a different medium. There's different learning happening there. I was like, you haven't put out new videos in a while. Let's put up some new content and let's do a test and let's see how that acclimates. Let's see, it, it, there's data to be looked at, but I can't look at new data unless you give me new stuff to, to run the data off of. Cracks me up. But so. YouTube, man, the algorithm is ruthless. Like I seen a video about like a seven-year-old influencer, right? It's crazy. And and she was uh, generating like one to two million views mm-hmm. um, with each video. You know, she was just posting stuff like from some rich family in Mexico or somewhere. But this is the craziest thing. I didn't realize this. Like she said, you know, her mom died. So for two months, she was not creating content because, you know, it's a little kid, obviously, right? And sure. her brother's the one filming it. But when she came back after only two months, the new videos only started getting 10 to 50,000 views mm-hmm. instead of one to two million. So the algorithm hits back so hard by you not feeding this machine. You have right? to feed so the machine. 
Yeah, but that's ruthless, man. It you is. know, like, so you need to understand too. And I tell these people when they build these brands, like you are starting a never-ending job now because with something like YouTube, you need to create these ten-minute videos until you die now, and if you stop, you're gonna get a hit back. And I didn't know it was that bad. Like when this girl mentioned it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's huge! That's ninety-five percent views gone." Well, the funny thing is, I don't care how many followers I have. I care about the quality of the followers. <clears throat> and but because I've been publishing since episode fifty-one, I've been airing videos of the podcast. And I didn't care. I just wanted to push. I, I just used YouTube as a place to store the videos. That's all I cared about. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the past like three to four months, boom, huge uptick started happening. All of a sudden, we, we, we I jumped hundreds of followers in a few days and crossed a thousand followers barrier. And then next thing you know, I'm getting contributor reports from YouTube. And I'm like, oh, now I'm seen as a contributor or a content generator because I've yeah. consistently given them content for the past year and a half. So, but it took a year and a half for that all of a sudden that algorithm to find me. <laughs> it cracks me up. So you're right. You, yeah. you, 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 but my thing is this, I'm already podcasting anyway. So that's why I was like, dude, I might as well record a video while I'm at it. Because some people are visual or kinesthetic learners and they might be drawn more to a video than just the classic podcast audio. So I'm that's just trying to think. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll move to a video podcast soon too, just for that reason. Because we've put... Um, some episodes on YouTube, but it was just, you know, like a image and, and talking yeah. just to, yeah, a there. lot of people have done that. I don't like that. So, but here's actually, yeah. now, but here's the flip on that. Ever since YouTube launched YouTube red, if you're a YouTube, if you pay for YouTube red, well now YouTube will play in the background on your smartphone while you're doing other things. So that's where yeah. we're, we're about to see a big shift in the podcast market because there's so much YouTube users out there. Well, great. I don't have to, I don't, I can, like, I just, I get to stay on YouTube. And I can you know bounce from podcast to podcast and play it in the background if I'm a YouTube Red subscriber. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about that too because with that image, that's why we stopped too. I was like, that's stupid. You know, going on a visual medium with yeah. you know just an image, that's like the you know just didn't make any sense. Well, my yeah, thing was I, I got I got frustrated with Skype, so I started using Zoom anyway. I'm like, well, I use Zoom for webinars and training my clients and running training events and stuff too. And I'm like, wait a minute, why don't I just do it for the podcast too? You know, it's a cheap, it's actually not an expensive platform. I get better quality. I've never had a tech issue. So I was like, and I'm already talking to you for an hour plus. So why not just hit record on video too? And then some people might appreciate some of that transparency, like into your world. So, um, yeah. And some videos have outperformed others and it just depends on the influencer I've had on the show. So, uh, I, but I, I'm playing the long game. I want to see, cause I know YouTube's always got something else up there, up their sleeve. So I'm yeah, just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm playing the long game for this podcast market to see what happens. So, yeah, it's just super smart, you know, because I've been thinking about it too. Like the podcast is, you know, going pretty strong, but I always feel like, like you said, I hate Skype. I'm, I'm oh. getting into Zoom more and more. Um, I, I have issues, I think, every single time in the last maybe two months with something happening. Yeah. Um, it's just not, I don't know what happened to it. It, I, it used to work great. It used I to work dealt really with it well. for the first 50 shows, and then I was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I don't care. I, I literally, when, when people invite me on their show and they're like, oh, what's your Skype ID? I say, well, here's my Skype ID. Also, I'm happy to host you on my Zoom platform <laughs> because I would rather do it on Zoom. So that's just me. That's smart. Yeah, I got to pull a trigger on that too because I've been fighting like still. I'm just, you know, it, it's one of these things where like you're used to something and changing platforms is like, oh no, like what but it's else? it's not that hard actually. It's, <clears throat> it's not. not. 
it's not because I already do mastermind calls on Zoom. I just don't do the, so, um, the recordings. Do, do you have the free platform, or are you paying for the entrepreneur package? Um, the free, but I can easily pay for that one. I think it's so. And here's another little trick for you: if you want to pay premium, well, I still have the entrepreneur package, but I, I tested it a couple of times, a couple of months, but I never actually committed long term. But if you pay the extra forty bucks a month for their <laughs> webinar feature, yeah. Well, now you could actually go live to Facebook or YouTube live while you're doing this. So I could actually live stream this. To, I could have live streamed this tonight to YouTube or Facebook, one or the other, while you and I were doing this. So Yeah, I've, I've seen um, Thinkific, which is a, yep. a course creation platform that I partnered with recently. Yeah. And they took me on, and that's exactly what happened, man. They're like, just call in on Zoom. We're about to go live on Facebook and YouTube. And I'm like wow, that's it? Yep. It's like, yeah, just using Zoom. I was like, that was the first time I've seen that. No, I know the guys from Thinkific. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been waiting. Great. I've been p putting it off on pulling the trigger <clears throat> and start doing more training content online. For And I like the Thinkific platform. Yeah, but it's just, you know, they, they kind of opened my eyes when I've seen that happening. And I'm like, you know, and I just tested it too. Like, they're, you know, they're interviewing me. I put the YouTube on. I was like, yeah, it's working. Wow. Yep. <laughs> it's all from Zoom. It's so, yeah, cool. but it, they're, they're awesome people. Yeah, we're... um we're doing an online course conference uh, in Chiang Mai in October, and they're probably going to play a big part in that. I like those guys. I met them the first time a couple of years ago at the Thrive Make Money Matter event out in San Diego. And then the past couple of years, we've hosted it in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, that's put on by Cole Hatter, and he just keeps that event keeps growing every year. That's for uh, entre teaching entrepreneurs how to make their money matter more, balance, balance your initiatives with you know, not-for-profits and stuff like that. But, dude the level of influencers and speakers that they've increased to has been profound, but that's, that's the first time I ran into think if it was, they were one of the sponsors. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. It was cool. And I, and again, I like their tech. I like their platform. It's if you, if you want to build online educational content, I think it's powerful. So my, my one client uses it for the, for their, uh, I don't know. He's got like audio books or something all integrated into it. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, you know, they're just great guys overall. Like, I, you know, Teachable is also another platform which a lot of people use, but sure. um, it might be a more um, robust platform in some ways, but just uh, the team of Thinkific, they're just so awesome. Yeah, like, you know, I got, I got along with a lot of them. It's, yeah. And sometimes you got to think, man, like when you're dealing with business, like do you want to deal with just a good tech or with good people behind it too? You know, it's... Yeah, like I'm a big fan. Besides them, I'm a big fan with AWeber. Uh, and actually AWeber as an email marketing platform is just awesome in general, but they're also, they're also headquartered only 45 minutes from me. They're not, they're not like oh, a nice. Silicon Valley company. They're actually an outside of Philadelphia company and they're one of the top ones next to, uh, you know, what, what's the other one, the monkey one and, and all the other ones. Yeah. Out there, so yeah. yeah, the only one I've seen that, um, took some, uh, put some research in his drip. Hmm. Uh, just because some of the options, but now that AWeber lets you segment things too. Mm-hmm it's not as much of a push in that direction because drip was like the first one, you know, the, to really segment, but it's much more expensive than Aweber. Oh God. Yeah. But yeah, the, like the, the mail chimps and all the other ones, like, yeah. I don't know, man, like the, the mails just don't go through as well as Aweber. I, no, I think they're the most solid platform. Aweber's core policy has never changed. They really screen their clients. They don't want spammers coming on. They want good, clean lists. Um, I mean, every time I add a new update to one of my lists or something else, if it's a bulk update, they, they pre-screen it before the upload even finishes it. They're always doing a sampling. Uh, so that's one way you keep your network clean. And the I, I've seen, I migrated a client over from, uh, not MailChimp, 
I don't know, one of the other bigger ones been around for years and they suck. Uh, so they, but dude, his open rates almost doubled, almost doubled just by coming onto the AWeber network. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's the thing, right? Like the mix of tech and, and the people behind it. And I've been thinking about that more and more too. Cause like before it was just like the local businesses, you want to support them. But now with tech, it's like, you gotta kind of think that way too. You know, like which one do you want to support? It's, mm. it's the same idea, you know, just because we don't see them, there's still people behind all this tech. Yeah. I, I just went live on YouTube today about my laptop bag, uh, the cocoon <clears throat> innovations uh, startup company. Like, uh, the bag arrived and I started using it for three days and the, and the zipper busted. And I was like, I was, so I emailed them a, a screenshot from my iPhone of the broken. And literally within an hour, they said, don't worry about it. We're shipping you a new one now. No questions asked. Didn't ask for return, nothing. So I was like, dude, I want to honor that because customer service has dropped in this world. And when you see that level of follow through, they want to make sure they have a wow with their customer. It's cheaper to retain a customer than to acquire a new one. And that's how it's done because I was blown away. So I gave them props on YouTube today. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, be, before you wrap it up, like with customer service, I got to mention Patagonia, right? Because I used oh. to, you know, see some of my friends wear those jackets and I was like, $400 jacket, that's dumb. <laughs> but I'm in Seattle uh, for some kind of a conference. And my friend Pete, he brings his like completely ripped up jacket mm -hmm. to the store. And he says, guys, just ripped. I was uh, hiking or something. And they're like, fine, trick a new one. No questions asked. Well, or, or they have a repair service. Like, Well, they did not have it for that one. But he just said, can you just you know pick a new one? And he just walked out with a new jacket. No questions asked, nothing. And I'm like, yeah. a month later, I got a Patagonia yeah. jacket. My, my, we, have, just, we have a lot of Patagonia here. Um, we're big outdoorsy nuts. And my fiance. Now, granted, we look for sales. And I actually, I, I did have a pro deal with the company because I, I coached uh, ski racing for 11 years. So, you know, I had, I had some hookups with them for a little while. And the quality is second to none. The, the company cares about their footprint. They care about how they get back down in uh, Argentina and in South America. And it's and they stand behind their product. And my fiance and I have both shipped back clothing over the years, and they repair it, and they send it back. So, dude, lo love it. <laughs> yeah, but it just blew my mind, man. And it, it was interesting, too, because my, um, my parents have one house in Wisconsin, which is like an hour from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I drove into Chicago to get my jacket. And I picked a size that's a little too small. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I borrowed a little bit. I was like, yeah, I, I could use one size bigger. So I went back to him like, oh, we don't have that size. But not only will we ship it to your house tomorrow, we'll also return the tax because now it's going to a different state and we don't need to charge you. And I'm like, yep. dude, <laughs> like, you know, but to me, that, that customer service was just like, wow, I get it now. But a lot, of, a lot of companies don't get yeah. it. That's the sad part. And but see, it takes these experiences like you and I are sharing today to help people realize like, dude, don't forget about the wow experience because look at you and I, however long ago these experiences were and we're still talking about them. <laughs> yeah, because like that's I'll never forget that. Like he went in with like a jacket that looked like a, I, don't, I don't even know. What to, it was so just he a got mauled by a dog or something. <laughs> yeah, but it, it still had the Patagonia tag on it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he just walked out with a new jacket. And I'm like, dude. I, what is this company? And then I looked at the, you know, the founder and read about it. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, this guy's, you know, he's, he's legit. He has built a true legacy company. Um, yeah. And that's that one is. thing I love. I mean, and, and North Face is also a great company. They, they do some of the same stuff, but Patagonia definitely stands aside and it, they're, they've got the reputation and yeah, you'll pay a little bit more, but 
Dude, I've had the same Patagonia vest for like six years. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, when you get good quality stuff, because I'm a gearhead, when I, you get the right gear, it'll last. It, the company is standing the test of time. They stand behind the products. Like, I'll keep buying Patagonia forever. So, yeah, but the interesting thing is like when you have speak with someone, you know, from a different generation, like I spoke with my mom, she's like, why the hell did you spend 400 bucks on a jacket? Mm. And I'm like, over the last 10 years, how many jackets did you buy? And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, oh, not many. I was like, really? Let's, let's look at your closet. I'm using like 50 of these garbage jackets, right? Yep. Like each one is like a 10 bucks, you know? So we just spent $500. And I was like, with Patagonia, when they say lifetime, mm-hmm. they mean lifetime. Yep. Because even in 20, 30 years, if it, anything happens, like you just go and come up with a new jacket. Like you just don't understand. Like these companies, they're not like the companies we're used to. This is like a new, like you said, like a legacy. Like a, that's a different type of company. Mm-hmm. Like you're investing in, in this guy's vision. And if you, you know, you share the vision like you, plus you have a jacket that's really going to be lasting for a whole life. Oh, it's a total quality it's, level. Totally quality. Yeah. 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 But it's like, you know, it's not something that like people are used to. Cause you know, like when my mom was uh, buying stuff from like JCPenney or Walmart, she's like, you know, she knows what kind of quality it is. She knows what kind of return policies yeah. they have, how much garbage it is. And I'm like, yeah, see, that's the thing, right? Like it's so hard to shift people from, that experience to like what's possible you know it's 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 difficult it is you know, especially when you have that narrative of like you know this is how companies work they're only after your money they'll say anything to sell you something you know and and i'm like you know you haven't even seen the online marketing space <laughs> and again it goes back to just like we were talking about earlier the supplements and all these other things like it's, it, just take the time to do a little bit of research and you'll be surprised how your eyes are opened and and unfortunately, some people aren't ready yet. They, they may be ready in six months, maybe ready in a couple of years. But I think it's all our personal responsibilities to do just a little bit more research in our lives. And you'd be surprised how your eyes are opened. So, yeah, I agree. Well, listen, you're the guest co-host today. We've wrapped a lot tonight. I, I, we went super long for him. Every once in a while, this happens, but it takes a special co-host to do that. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. Hey, I, I love it. This has been awesome. Um, I, I, but I asked my guest co-host to help close the show out. Some final words. Uh, it could be an all-encompassing message. Maybe it's part of your legacy message, what you've, you've built and what you're trying to do. Uh, you, you've definitely traveled a lot, so I'm sure there's probably some wisdom to be shared there. Uh, the, the only thing I always tell um, people in business, especially if they're not successful yet, look, if you don't know how to sell, you're not in business. Hmm. You know, figure out what you're selling and who you're selling it to. And if you really nail those two down, you will be successful. That's the whole, you know, basis behind success. So in, in some ways, I can say that, you know, when you're thinking of creating a new product or a service, um, think about what value are you bringing and how I'm going to distribute this product or service. You know, these are very simple concepts, but these are the fundamentals of any successful business. You just got to nail them down. I love that, man. That's straight into the point. Well, listen, hang tail. I'll give you probably a goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I already called it out earlier. Make sure you go visit smartbrandmarketing.com. Okay. He's got no BS marketing out there. And I love his final point there, guys, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not selling, you're not in business. I'm a sales professional for many, many years. If you don't know how to sell, you're not ready to be in business. I can reinforce that tenfold. So again, ladies and gentlemen, this show is all about fueling your health, your business, your lifestyle. 
We heavily hit on business today, but we definitely dabbled in some health, some fitness, and some lifestyle along the way. (laughs) So thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com. 